You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Welcome back to Stage Door Podcast. Before we get into today's episode, talking to musical theatre up-and-coming star Jackson Graham Wilson, we would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation, the traditional custodians of this land on which we work, live and record, and recognise their continuing connection to land, water and community. We pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. Tori, take it away with the bulletin. In some exciting musical-to-film adaptation news, it was announced that Ariana Grande and Cynthia Erivo will be taking on the lead roles in the upcoming Wicked movie adaptation in the iconic roles of Glinda and Elphaba, and we could not be more excited to see this film's progress over the coming months. It was also rumoured that James Corden will be taking on the role of Dr. Dillamond, and, well, all we really have to say about that is we really just hope that that is just a rumour. It was announced on Monday night that Lizzie will make its Australian premiere in 2022 and blow the roof off at the Hayes Theatre. On a sweltering summer evening in 1892 in a small American town, a prominent businessman and his wife were brutally axed to death in their home. The main suspect? Their daughter, Lizzie Borden. If you haven't already, give this show a listen and add tickets to your Christmas wish list because this is one show you will not want to miss. And as a, you know, little added bonus, it will feature podcast alumni, the insanely talented, fierce woman we know as Marissa Soroka in the title role of Lizzie. Lizzie will be playing January 13 to February 4 at the Hayes Theatre. For more info and tickets, head to hayestheatre.com.au. In more podcast alumni news, it was recently announced that past guest, the ever-stunning Olivia Vasquez, has joined the cast of Moulin Rouge Australia, taking on the role of Arabia. If you are a Melbourne local and haven't already, make sure to grab tickets whilst you still can to see Liv and this phenomenally stunning cast take you into the world of Moulin Rouge. For tickets, head to moulinrouge.com slash Australia. Back over to you, Eliza. Jackson Graham Wilson was born and raised in Ipswich, Queensland and has recently returned to Queensland to play Augustus Gloop in Charlie and the Chocolate Pack Factory, playing at QPAC's Lyric Theatre. Jackson completed his training at Village Nation and made his professional debut in the company of the Adams Family Musical as Pugsley Adams. As well as spending his time in the theatre, Jackson has also spent his time on screen. His highlights include No Activity on Stan as Lachlan, Dr. Doctor on Network 9, the title role in the award-winning short film Ari, for which Jackson went on to win Best Lead Actor in a Short Film at the Manhattan International Short Film Awards and Chilean Film Festival. And his new short film, Dwarf Planet, is debuting at Sydney Film Festival this November. Please welcome to the mic, Jackson. Hello, hello, hello. Hello. Good morning. Happy Good Sunday. Morning. How have you been, though? What's, what have you been up to? I mean, obviously, you're in Charlie at the moment and you're in Queensland. How have you been going with everything? Oh, it's been fantastic. You know, it's my first time being home in Queensland properly in like eight years. So eight years. Yeah. Eight years. So it's very nice um, being able to see how different Brisbane is now as a city. Oh, I agree. When I came back, I was like, oh, wow, it's so different. Mm. It's still the same. They're still the same home. Yeah. Home feeling. Yeah, for sure. (laughs) 
And have you got any top recommendations heading into summer? Um, if that is like, have you been watching any Netflix shows or books or anything? Um, I've definitely I've read way too much while I'm up here. Um, There's no such thing as too much reading. I know. <laughs> um, I've definitely I just started rereading all of the Discworld books again, and I cannot cannot recommend Terry Pratchett's work enough. Um, his humor is incredible, and his world building is almost rivals Tolkien's when it comes to world building. Really? But besides that, I don't know. Oh, I watched. A very, a very lovely uh, Nicole Kidman movie the other day called The Interpreter, which I'm now obsessed with. Came out in like 2004. Um, oh, I haven't heard of that one. What's it about? An amazing crime thriller. Um, it's about she's a uh, interpreter for the UN, uh, and she gets mixed up in like this like underground crime syndicate type stuff and like an assassination plot and everything it's intense and it's amazing oh my god i have to watch that definitely I'm always after some recommendations so i guess obviously you are a performer and in theater and we kind of had this conversation briefly before i can't remember no eliza you were here for this uh jackson and i kind of know each other a little bit because we briefly <laughs> went to the same school um and neither of us, because also you were briefly in Alice with me. Yeah. Um, obviously, you did Alice the first time around as well. Yeah. Um, but then you also did it. And I was so annoyed. <laughs> I got annoyed at everyone. But like, I was so annoyed when you left. And I was like, how dare he leave? And then I was like, oh, well, never mind. This makes sense. Um, yeah. <laughs> you were going to Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. But what actually brought you into the world of theatre and performing? Um, it would have to be my parents. Uh, both of them, my mom is a dance teacher, uh, and my dad's a music teacher. And so rightfully so, it was just my natural <laughs> progression. Oh, know, yeah. With being raised by a muso and a dancer, just yeah. ended up in music theatre. That is kind of the best combination as well, because you've got the dance side, but you've also got the music yeah. side, so you get the best of both worlds. Yeah. <laughs> And I mean, you were you were born of these people, these this combination of people. So of course, like what else? But of course, then again, I say that, and you know, some people are born of musos and dancers and actors, and they become like scientists. Yeah. But like, I feel like you know, it's kind of a natural progression that you combine them, throw in some acting as well, 100%. and you have a little performing baby. Little performing baby. I guess, um, I get obviously because you have performing parents, did that kind of, um, help you become, because you made your professional debut at 14 in the Adams family. Mm. Um, was that kind of, did they really help push you to do performing like a music theater from a young age? Yeah. So my mom ran a dance school up here at Ipswich for quite a while. Um, and so I grew up dancing at her dance school. And, like, we would do musicals, like, every two, two years. We'd put on a big show. And it just sort of spiraled from there. And I started doing local shows as a kid. Um, I got really, really heavily invested in music theatre. <laughs> as you do. Um, yeah. Like, to an, like little nine-year-old me was, like, up till 1am on Google, just finding anything I could find. Watching all the like Broadway.com vlogs, yeah. all of that. All of that. 
Oh yes, we we have been there. Yep. (laughs) (laughs) And I guess like as you were so young, what was that experience like navigating the professional world when you were fourteen? It was it was interesting. Um, I was the oldest of the five boys that shared the role. Um, The other four were all between the ages of. I think they were eleven and twelve. Oh, okay. Um, and so I was a little, a little bit older. Uh, and so I got to do a few extra, like when they had to go on break, sometimes I was able to stay in the room and keep working. Oh. Um, yeah. Or that, and I was also sort of like this like big brother to them as well throughout the entire mm. process. And I still am. I keep in touch with them still to this day. Oh, yeah. Um, That's so sweet. But yeah, it was it was it was an incredible experience, um, especially at that age, because um, like you know for them it hadn't clicked in their heads like what they want to do with life. But for me, it was like this is what I want to mm. do. Um, yeah. And getting to work with like Chloe Dallymore, uh, John Waters, Russell Dykstra, um, Tim Madron, and Tegan Wooders, it was absolutely like incredible and like i still keep in touch with a lot of the uh well them and like all of our ensemble uh, we were a very tight-knit cast yeah and oh, we still are because so nice. like yeah I'll, I'll like run into the mid auditions and stuff now um <laughs> you'll be like here i am i'm an adult now <laughs> here i am a foot and a half taller like, <laughs> still the exact same person just slightly taller yeah. yeah. <laughs> I guess it's probably it was probably a good age to make your debut because you are at that age where you can do that little bit more than cause I think mm. it's like 12 and up isn't it that that's when you're able to start doing more shows, a little bit longer rehearsals. Yeah. Um, and I guess it, it would have been nice as well to know that obviously and it's not in like a condescending way but that you were that little bit older than some of them. So I, I guess you probably felt a little bit more of a connection to the rest of the cast in terms mm. of age. Definitely. Um, yeah, I, I really, in like a literal sense, felt like the little brother to a lot of yeah. the other cast members. Um, but yeah, at the same time, like it'd be, you know, the usual schedule when it's with kids, like with our Charlies is that, if they do, you know, a nighttime show, they can't be in the theater for at least 12 hours. Oh. Right. So they can't come back until the next night. Um, yeah. But with Adams, it'd be like, if I was on standby for a nighttime show, I could come in and perform the matinee because I was older. Right. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yeah. Because there's all, all the Charlies in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. Are they all like 12 and under? Um, They were when they first booked the job (laughs) back at the uh, end of 2019. Um, But they're all, I think two of them are 13, maybe 14. I know we've had two birthdays so far and they were both like big birthdays. Yeah. Oh, that's good though. I guess they get, it gives them the opportunity to experience a little bit before and a little bit after like what the differences are going to be like. And I guess being at that age, you kind of also, like you said, like you had kind of decided this is what you were going to do. And this was like a really big, but like great 
first step because you knew it's what you wanted to do. Yeah. Um, I guess there are so many young kids who do shows like Annie and stuff professionally and then after afterwards kind of go, ah, it was great, it was fun, I'm not super interested. But when mm. you know that that's what you want to do, you know that you're making these amazing connections, you're learning from these great people what yeah. it's going to be like, you know, they're at the age that you're right now and you get to look back and also look at how things have changed then to now. But obviously you currently are playing Augustus Gloop in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory uh, at QPAC in Queensland. Queensland? Queensland. 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 Oh my God. That's nice. <laughs> um, so obviously I assume it would have been auditions during, I actually know someone else in the Alice cast who was auditioning, but so it would have been during lockdown. What was the audition process like for the show? Um, so the process was, I had the film self tape and send it off. Um, and then the next round after that were in persons. And luckily it was l- literally a week before we went into lockdown in Sydney. So I flew up quickly here for, I think I was up for 48 hours. I flew up. I spent a day uh, running around printing things, getting things sorted, um, and then stayed at my granddad's place and slept in his spare bedroom. Uh, And then I jumped on a train and went into the city to audition in person had my audition and then jumped straight back on a plane and flew to Sydney. And then we went into lockdown the next day. <gasps> no oh. way. It was crazy. I was going to say like, cause no one has been able to get up to Queensland or into Queensland no. unless you quarantine. So that's so lucky that you didn't have to quarantine and you could it, be yeah, it in was person. Right in that gap between while Queensland was still open for a little bit. And I guess it's such a big role as well to take on. Did you come against any challenges when taking on this role? Not well. Actually, the hardest challenge was trying not to like. Was definitely making it my own, mm-hmm. um, rather than because like everyone envisions the two versions from either the Gene Wilder film or the Tim Burton film, um. But of course, our our show is very much. It, it feels like the book, and so we've gone for these characters that are more based off what the caricatures look like in the book and how they act in the book rather than being like in, um, in both versions, he's sort of like this, like he's very stern and very cranky the whole time. Whereas like you look at the little drawings of him in the book and he's always there and he's smiling and he's running around. And, and so I, I've really played into this like aspect of him being rather than sort of like this, like cranky little German boy, um, he's just, <laughs> he's just filled with constant wonder and amazement, but he's at simultaneously this monster on the inside. Yeah. yeah. Cause it definitely feels like, um, and I guess that's where I've definitely, cause I did not get the opportunity to see it in Sydney. Maybe it will come back to Sydney. I can, Who knows? One, can, one can hope, one can hope. Um, but I did not get to see it in Sydney, but I was very surprised. I saw a video, I think maybe yesterday, um, you guys were like being like fake interviewed. Oh um, yeah, and uh, it yeah, was I really interesting one. because I do imagine, um, 
Augustus Gloop as, like, I really think of the Tim Burton version, obviously. I grew up with the Gene Wilder, yeah. but I think of him almost like a little bit like an older German Pugsley is kind of a little yeah. bit how he feels, especially in the Tim Burton version. And it was so different seeing you in this video that I saw yesterday. And it was so, like, happy and, like, yeah. bright. And it's not at all what I expected. Yeah. Um, I guess it all comes down to the the first song that I sing in the show uh, with my amazing mother, played by Octavia Baron-Martin, um, is called More of Him to Love. And it's, like, this big, like, German polka. Like, we yodel and it's it's just it's just full of so much love and joy. And so we just went from there and we were like, let's just keep this joy in this character just running throughout the entire show. Yeah. That, that is fantastic. And did um, did the creative team, because I know sometimes when you have um, international shows that then come to Australia, it's very like um, by number, like you have mm. to do this, this and this. And did they really allow you to um, take some creativity in terms of like developing your own character. Yeah, yeah. So, um, our uh, director gave uh, made the terrible mistake of um, telling an actor to have fun with it and <laughs> just go for it, do what you want. Um, and so we have gotten in trouble a few times on stage for um constantly improvising in them like when we're just standing on the sides and stuff's happening we'll just be doing our own little thing um but yeah it, it it's we were given we did work with him quite a lot to develop them but he was like whatever you guys want we'll throw it at the wall and see what sticks yeah that's really wow, good wow that's amazing because um, obviously it had already had its seasons before that in Sydney and everything. And then you, you jumped in for the Brisbane season. Was it a whole new cast or was it half-half? Um, half yeah, it, it, was a, it was about half-half. I think we had in total 20 new cast members, I think. Wow. From wow. the top of my head. Um, I could be completely wrong with that number. Um, <laughs> but I know, I know it was like a big <laughs> chunk of the cast. We have a... 32 person cast oh wow yeah. that's a big cast a big chunk of us are brand new to the show but that's yeah. so exciting i guess as well because you know it does mean that also i guess for the creative team as well it's nice to go oh, okay we have some people that we know they know exactly what they're doing they get they get the chance to still play with it but they know exactly what they're doing mm. and then all these new people who are going to bring a new something to the show and I am curious. I was just thinking about this because I know that the original Broadway or American cast recording and the London cast recording, they're very different. Very different. Yeah. Which um, which are you guys, is there like a definitive <laughs> version? Because I've listened to both and I was very confused. Um, so there isn't a definitive version. There's two versions of the same show. Um... So you have the US one, which is what our one is more like, yeah. um, which has, you know, the adults playing the golden ticket winners and the only kid is Charlie. Yeah. Um, uh, which so is that's really the... fun to watch as well, just it saying. Is... It's so fun to see adults acting like absolute children. It is so much fun for us as well, 
just getting to, you know, play kids every night, but also it, it's very funny because, especially at the start of the run, not so much now because the boys have all started to grow as they're getting older, but at the start of our run here, um, we, like, tower over the Charlies. <laughs> and so it just makes him this more, like, small little scrawny thing. Um, but also with the, yeah, the UK version, which currently there's a replica, or not a replica, it's a different, it, it, they've taken the same basis as the UK one and are currently doing it in Brazil um, with all of the kids that are played by kids. Yeah. And so that's okay. what the two different main differences are between ah, the two different versions. Right. Which is so interesting as well, but I guess it would, it's also such a great opportunity because you get to a certain age. Like, I'm at this age where I'm like, I really don't think I can play Vendler anymore. I, I will continue to audition for Vendler. I don't think I can play Vendler anymore. I think I'm a bit too old. Mm. But to be able to be in your 20s and playing, like, a 10-year-old kid and having the opportunity to still be able to do a role like that would just have to be, like, so cool. Yeah, I mean, all of the uh, other Golden Ticket winners and myself, we all just have this joke on the fact that we will be playing kids and teenagers until we're in our 40s. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because... Uh, we've had people at stage door get very confused as to why we're not actually, they thought we were children up on stage. Oh, yeah. no way. That's crazy. It, it's, it's, it's so funny having to explain to them like, no, I'm going home to my apartment by myself. <laughs> I, don't I don't have, have a parent, parent. here. I'm... <laughs> no supervision needed. <laughs> Please stop pinching my cheeks. Like this is, this is getting a bit I weird. might go to the bar across the road now. Can you... <laughs> Leave me alone. I'm just going to chuck back a couple of beers. Like, it's just a normal... <laughs> All the 10-year-olds being like, damn, we can't be friends. <laughs> but uh, we are going to jump into a little bit of a game. Um, and for today's game, we have some rapid-fire questions for you. Okay. So you just have to answer with, like, the first thing that comes to your head. Um, and Libby and I will take this in turns. Because this is not a challenge that we're involved in. <laughs> Okay, great. <laughs> All right, so question one. What is your guilty musical theatre pleasure? Spider-Man Turn Off the Dark. <laughs> I was not expecting that. Yep. But it kind of, it kind of, I kind of feel like it fits. I feel like you're a bit of a, like myself, a bit of a Marvel. Yeah, a bit of a Marvel. A bit of a bit fantasy, of... like. Yep. I love Spider-Man. Who doesn't love Spider-Man? But also, like, the music of Bono and the Edge, like... <laughs> It's such a good <laughs> cast recording. I need to go listen to this now because is Reef Carney in it? Yeah, he played yeah. Spider-Man. Yeah, okay, I need to listen to this because I've seen him and heard him in so many different things. I'm interested to see how he does Peter Parker. I was like, okay, next question. First role you ever oh, auditioned for? Um, Oliver and Oliver. Ooh, good one. Oliver is such a good show. Such a good show. I did end up doing that show, but I was, like, first cover, Oliver. All right. Chocolate or sweets? Sweets. I agree. I agree. Mm -hmm. I agree with that. All right. Something new you learned this week. I'm trying to think that we do Fun Fact Fridays uh, with the Charlies. Uh, And I'm trying to think of something that they said. Male glowworms, after they mate, seal their mouths shut and die. 
<laughs> what? That is terrible. Um, <laughs> look, I learned this the from a twelve-year-old. Could be completely made up, but I mean, I'm gonna go with it. <laughs> look, just just roll with it. The stuff twelve-year-olds spit out is yep. incredible. They love a good oh, yeah. research. <laughs> All right, your dream roll. Oh, um, I was literally talking about this the other day. Um, I have so many, but definitely. First one that comes to your head. First one that comes to head is Baker in Into the Woods. <gasps> oh, you would yes. do the Baker oh. so well. Um. Okay. Person living or dead, you'd like to grab a drink with? Uh, Robin Williams. That is like such a good answer. All right, I've got one oh. last one for you. <laughs> got one last. What is the last show you saw? I think it was Frozen in Sydney. Yeah. Ooh. Yeah, at the end of last year. That makes a yeah. lot of sense. But I guess now, moving into a completely different zone for you, um, you also do a lot of TV as well. Um, and recently, you got to play Lachlan in No Activity, which is a new comedy on Stan, and it has some incredible Australian comedic actors. What was your experience like working on the show? Um, it was amazing getting to work with um, like Patrick Brammel, um, Darren Gilshin, and, and Trent O'Donnell. And... Um, I was given so when we first we shot season one in oh god it would have been twenty fifteen I think I had just Whoa. turned seventeen. What? That's a long yeah. time ago. And um, I know that at the time I was like, you know, the seventeen year old who had only done I, I, I've done a few screen things at them, but I'd never done still mostly, like, in my head theatre. I hadn't, like, clicked into the fact that I had stopped working in theatre for quite a few years at this point and had mostly done screen. Um, And was given this opportunity to join all of these amazing comedy legends in Australia and do a fully improvised TV show. Was it fully improvised? I didn't realise that. We were given scene prompts on a little piece of paper, being like, these are the parts that you have to hit. Everything else was made up. That is terrifying, but also amazing. So that's so much pressure to yeah. get it good and get it right. Yeah. Um, I was lucky, like, my first, the first season that I did, um, the episode that I was on, because, um, like, it's one of those shows where it's, like, every episode sort of has a different focus on different yeah. side characters and stuff. So I, I did one episode a season out of the, I think we did six episodes a season. And um, in season one, all I literally had to do there was sit there and just be like deadpan and like a grunting teenager and not respond to any questions <laughs> properly or just give half-assed answers um, and be a little perv. <laughs> just that um, detail. Just a little perv. <laughs> yeah. Which, a bit of fun. <laughs> when, when they added that in, I was like, they instantly like went like the 17-year-old me that just goes like red in the face. <laughs> Super nervous. Um uh, like, I mean, yeah, season one, so I was with, um, I did a lot of scene work with Genevieve Morris, who played my mum. We still keep in touch. She's a lovely, lovely woman, an amazing actress and comedian. Um, but yeah, all I had to do, and like, she was just throwing these jokes, and it's the fact that it was on, like, this set was how I was taught how not to break when funny stuff happened. It was yeah. just the, just don't actually listen to what yeah. they're saying. 
And your and your improvisation skills would have gone through the roof because the comedians can yeah, think on their feet. So it re- it really did help um, with my improv, um, especially once we got to season two, when they were like, "Cool, we're going to give you an entire episode that's focused on your character," uh-huh. um, which was insane when I found that out. Um, and of course, for that one, I was sharing. I was in the back seat of the police car with. Uh, Patrick Bramall and Darren Gilshin and who now like Darren's one of my great mentors. Um, and I'm there like sitting in the back seat and we're just firing off each other. They basically just get the camera rolling and we just kept firing off each other. And I was given permission to say very, very absurd yeah. and rude things. And so at this time, <laughs> oh I think God. I was 18 by this point, And so I was just going for it. Oh wow, and and so and also kind of like at a, that young age where you're like still starting to get into the industry and and um like yeah. figuring out like what you want to do and to be able to do a big comedic show like that is is phenomenal. Yeah, it was it it was incredible, um, and especially having the um, connections with Stan. Um, and getting to, you know, because we were there, we were their first original series. Wow. Um, they took, they took a gamble on this completely original Australian crime comedy show. That's great. Um, and just went with it. And now it's like, I know we finished, we did two seasons and then a Christmas special. Um, and then, uh, Trent and Patty gave the rights to the show as well to Funny or Die uh, to Will Ferrell's company and now it's like I think it's on almost I think they're about to start shooting season five maybe sometime soon over there that's awesome though and it's so would have been so exciting to I guess be a part of yeah the beginning of what has now continued on yeah and you would I just can't even begin to imagine how much you would have learnt from doing not only like an original show, but also being completely improvised. Yeah, yeah, it was. It's funny, like we we in the rehearsal room, we'd rehearse a week before we shot, and um, that was where we'd try and come up with a lot of, a lot of gags and a lot of jokes. But then, of course, once we got there, we'd do those, and then we'd just add on to them and just keep going. Yeah. Um, and it's like. Yeah, learning some of the best best lessons for comedy as well um, from Darren and Patrick and Jen. Um, especially, like, you know, when you're doing, like, an improv comedy scene, um, never – don't try and make the audience laugh. Always try and make um, your scene partner laugh because yeah. then it'll build tension and make the audience laugh. Yeah, or, like, the fact – and I know – uh, we do this a lot in Charlie because if we're muttering to each other on stage, we have a tendency to just start giggling. Um, <laughs> but it's just, I find it easy. Like, you know, some people have to turn up stage and recollect themselves and look away, but all I have to do, and I learned this from Patrick Bramwell, is just bite the inside of your cheeks and you won't, it'll stop you from laughing because your brain will start focusing on the pain of the cheeks. <laughs> 
Oh, wow. That's a good tip. That's a really yeah. good tip. Because if you're in a scene and you're like, this is going so well, but I'm about to break. Yep. Amazing. And it, uh, it would have been such a great first experience, I think, as well for film and TV. And I mean, you also played yeah. the title role of Ari in the short film of the same name that has won multiple awards internationally. Why do you think this film resonated yeah. with so many people? Yeah, it's this beautiful like coming of age story um about a young boy um who has like it, it's it's very like when you set it out it sounds like a very stereotypical story it's about this young little boy who's he struggles with body images uh yeah body image issues and um he uh has this crush on a girl in his class um but doesn't know how to talk to her. He's like socially awkward. Um, I think the main part that resonates with people, and it's one thing that like even today, what I shot that seven years ago now, yeah, and um, I still get messages about it from people um, in my email or on Instagram and stuff. And it's a big part is that people have this tendency to project themselves onto Ari because I don't say a single word in the short film. Everyone else around me talks, but I stay completely silent and it's all, I, I just use my face. Yeah, it, it's really beautiful to watch as yeah. well. Um, I was I was showing my boyfriend the other day and he was like, oh, wow, I really connected with that story. And um, it really, um, yeah, it, it definitely connects to a lot of people and the way that uh, you don't need words to tell to tell a story. Exactly. To tell how someone feels. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's this sort of, I forget who composed it, but it's a combination of their music and with um, Alex's amazing script that he wrote um, for the short. And once once all of them come together and it's so, like, it, it, it is like, it's, for me, it's the gift that keeps on giving because I just, I'll get random emails every now and then being like, oh, it's popping up at this film festival coming up or you're nominated at this place here. Um, I know we've got quite a few um, accolades and wreaths, which is, it, it's insane thinking that because it was just this little... Um, I remember when I had the audition, uh, both my parents were out of town and I was home. And so my agent literally had to come and pick me up from my house oh. and she drove me to it. Um, at the time, and we were like, we'll just take a gamble on it and see what happens. Um, yeah, and, like, now it's, it's, like, the re- like, because of that, it's the reason why I booked, um, Dwarf Planet. Um, mm. it, it has a lot of buzz and it's quite well known, which is something that's yeah. insane to think of. Especially for like um, short films as well, like when when they really um, do well, they do really yeah. well, and they and they go around and and everyone sees it. I've seen it so many times, <laughs> and it just like pops up, and I'm like I'm like yeah, I'll watch it again. <laughs> yeah, I mean I'm I used to be like when 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 we were filming it, I was how old would I have been? I would have been fifteen. Just yeah, it would have been just before I turned sixteen, and. Um, like, even then, like, it felt really close to home. I had helped 
you know, Ari was just sort of words on a page when I got there, but then I started working with the director and sort of started influencing my own aspects into him as well. And it, for a while it hit really close to home for me personally. And I couldn't watch it. Like when I show it to people, I'd <laughs> like move into the other room and stuff because of how close it hits to home. Cause it's, it, it is a part of me in that character. And especially at that time, like it, he is a reflection of what I was going through as well at that time. Um, and it, it's, and like now looking back at it, I can like show people it with confidence and be like, <laughs> I did this thing. I made and I'm this. really proud of it. <laughs> um, I did this thing. <laughs> um, <laughs> but yeah, I like for a few years, it'd be like, um, especially once it ended up on, um, YouTube, it ended up on like one of those massive short film channels and it just started doing circles and everyone was sharing it and tagging me in it. And I was like, this is something new, getting attention (laughs) for things that I do. You're like, what? (laughs) Little of me? Little of me? No. No. (laughs) And I guess there are um, quite a few younger audience members that we have here and also people that want to get into the professional industry. Do you have any advice for those looking to leap into TV acting as well? Yeah, I think it's it, it, it's a really important, especially for us in our in our country. Especially our industry is so small, um, especially with theatre, um, and it is important to just get into it. And I think the easiest way is through classes and making those contacts. Um, I mean, if you already have an agent, get get in touch with them and say that you'd like to start doing more film stuff or TV stuff. Uh, But also don't be afraid to reach out to casting directors yourself and send them a show reel because then they will put you on their books. And if something comes along that they think you're right for, they'll send you an email and be like, Hey, here's this details. Can you come in and shoot for it? Um, and it was, I think, for me personally, it was the best decision for my career that I took. Oh, God, how many years off was it before I started doing theatre again? Um, about five, four years I took off before I went back and did music theatre, my diploma in music theatre um, after Adam's family. Um and in those four years, it was all, I was just doing screen acting. I was doing classes and courses around um, and just getting, sort of building up this different strength that I didn't have at the time. Mm. Um, yeah. And I, I find as theater actors, we know how to work for screen better than screen actors know how to work for stage. Yeah. I was interested what your perspective on that is because I, I haven't done a lot of, um, screen work myself but wondering how is it very interchangeable do you find it quite easy to jump from one to the yeah, other yeah um i do personally um it's all just about pulling back mm. which as theater folk we know how to do we can pull back uh and go from yeah. like these big like over the top characters and then be like shrink them down and we can do like our 
micro expressions or whatever and we we have all of that thought but then when it comes to screen actors if they've just studied in screen um a lot of the time when they end up on stage it ends up either not translating well or it's too over the top yeah yeah no i I get that that's it's good to know actually yeah (laughs) some good advice um even just doing theater classes as well while you're trying to do some screen work exactly yeah be a good a good idea as well that's some great advice yeah and i guess so you've been you've been kind of in multiple areas of this industry and actors we we deal with a lot of shit like from ourselves from others yeah what are some struggles that you've personally faced in the industry and how have you overcome them and continue to overcome them I guess it is that constant, um, you know, getting right through to the end. I I used to be really bad at this when I was auditioning for things. And, you know, if you get right through to the end, but you never book it, I used to beat myself up really bad about that. Um, And that is like a a big Mm -hmm. part of our industry is the rejection. Um, And so it'd be that constant getting to the end and then, rather than looking at it from the aspect of like you didn't fit the casting director's puzzle, the director's vision for this piece. Um, I would take it very personally and think that it was something that I did and would be like, Oh, I could have done that better. And I would just overthink it for like days or weeks at a time. Um, and it would, it would just like be this brewing dark cloud over me. Um, and then one day I was just talking with um, one of my friends and mentors um, about, you know, those thoughts and stuff. And he just was like, you need to stop thinking about the negative aspect and start thinking it from the perspective of our jobs as actors isn't to book the job. It's to get in the room and be seen by the producers and the casting directors, because eventually they will want you for something that they bring along. And eventually you will fit their vision and you will have something coming for you. Um, and that as like, as soon as he said that it, it sort of was like this moment of clarity. Um, and it's true. Um, like, no matter what, the casting director's on your side. They want you to fit the puzzle for the show that they're casting because they've already chosen you from your headshots to come in and audition and be seen for this. And it goes from there. You know, they they they, they fight for you to try and get you the job because they... A casting director doesn't want to see you fail. They want to yeah. see you succeed. And we've been told that many times mm-hmm. by casting directors including the brilliant yeah. daisy hicks i think it, it's such a she's oh i love daisy australia's daisy hicks um she's amazing it's i think it's <laughs> and i'm sure you would agree it's so easily said rather than done it's so hard to not feel at the end of an audition you're like ah, oh, like I, I know that they have you know they need the right person to tell their story and you might be the right person for another story, but sometimes yeah. it's, it's so easy to fall into that habit of, Oh, if I had, have, maybe if I had have just done this or done this like slightly differently, 
maybe but it's like it's so true at the end of the day also you got into the room you got to meet these people you got to yeah show yourself and give as much of yourself as you physically could and they can then look back at that later and go oh actually we've got this thing coming up that he would actually sit so perfectly in so it's it's exactly yeah i think it's such a big thing just to be able to get in the room and Trusting in yourself that you gave them everything that you could and you gave them what you would bring to the role and maybe it's not quite what they need. Um, but you still got in there, you did the best that you could and at the end of the day, you know, you'll learn from that experience and you'll do it again tomorrow. Yeah, um, one thing that I do, um, and, like, I, I always pass this on to, like, you know... Um, friends or like the students of mine that are going into auditions is that I will always, I count the wins for the day. Like, you know, getting into the room's a win. Um, if I make, you know, if it's a comedic thing and I make the panel laugh, that's a win, you know, um, you know, depending on what song I choose, did I do something different that I really liked? And like, that's a, and I'll just count all the positives and then, sort of as soon as I walk out that room, I pretend that I was never in the room and I'll focus on something completely different for the rest of the afternoon and just go about I think my that's business. the best thing you can do. Yeah. Yeah, I, leave, leave the work where it is and continue doing being you and being yourself because sometimes, like, you're more often than not going to be rejected for a show than yeah. get, get given the show. So you, that's, like, the numbers are usually rejection more but then you will have the success. Like it does come. It's just, it is a bit of a numbers game as well. It is. Like it's, oh, I, am I good for this? Oh, that person saw me. Okay, cool. I'll go for this next job. Oh, great. I'm perfect for it. Great. I'm booked. Yeah. <laughs> booked and blessed, which yeah. is a little hard in the pandemic, but uh, you you have managed to do very well. So that is, yep. that is brilliant. But I guess our last question for the day is um, you are in Dwarf Planet, which is an upcoming short film set to release in November. Can you tell us a little bit about it? Yeah, of course. Um, I play a character called, oh gosh, what's his name? His name is not spoken in the script. Um, Eddie. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I play a character called Eddie. I'm pretty certain it's his name (laughs) and I will... Adrian will kill me if I don't get his name right. Um, <laughs> but no, it, it's written and directed by um, Adrian Chiarella, an amazing filmmaker based in Melbourne um, who comes up to Sydney quite a lot to shoot things. Um, and I was a... Uh, he was having trouble casting someone and reached out to a friend of his um, and then his friend got in contact with me and I just sent off a tape reading just a random scene that he'd written um but the short film is about um eddie who's a 18 year old boy who's has a lot of um inner self issues and outer self issues uh and so he decides that using his 18th birthday money he hires a um, male prostitute uh, to help sort of figure out his sexuality um, and to finally feel the embrace of another person. Uh, 
and without giving anything away, it's these two men finding out more about each other than they ever have before. And it's, it's beautiful. Um, we shot it in one bedroom in one day, uh, on set. Yeah. We were on set from about 7am till 5pm. Um, and it is, it's absolutely beautiful. Um, and I can't wait for it to finally make its Australian debut. Uh, which I'm very excited for because we've been waiting for this since... I mean, we shot it two weeks before... No, not two weeks before the pandemic. About a month before um, the pandemic hit last year. Wow. No way. Wow. Uh, and so, yeah, we've been waiting and waiting. And, like, I've only seen different cuts and edits of it. I did stay up till 4am when it made its debut at, uh, it first screened at, uh, Clermont Ferrand short film festival in France. And, um, I stayed up till like four o'clock in the morning to finally get to watch the final cut. <laughs> yeah. Why um, wouldn't you? <laughs> had to download a VPN because there wasn't like an international viewing option. So I had to pretend oh, I was in no. France. Yep. <laughs> um, and it was completely worth it. Yeah. It's such such oh. a beautiful, beautiful piece of work. And it, it was an honor that I got to work on it and was able to tell that story. That sounds like a really um, beautiful short film. I can't wait to get to see it and um, experience it. I mean, it's coming soon. So very exciting that we'll get to be able to watch it. Oh my God, that's it. only a month away. Only a month away. A month away. <laughs> I know, I'm excited. It's all happening. It's all happening for you. Yeah, <laughs> unfortunately, I won't be there for it at Sydney Film Festival because I'll be in Perth with Charlie. Are they going to do a big um, viewing or are they doing it online? Or Because obviously with COVID. Yeah, so if, if Sydney goes to plan and cinemas do open up within the next two weeks, um, it, should be, it, it should be good to go ahead for the... Um, Dendy Short Film Awards, so it'll be playing at, I think, the Event Cinema on George Street. Oh! Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love the Big Dendy, theater. they do, yeah, they do all the, the short films there. Yeah. Well, we have come to the end of our episode for today, almost, almost to the end. Almost. Um, but, obviously, thank you, first and foremost, so much for coming on today and chatting with us and being so candid and open about your experiences um and obviously if you guys want to follow jackson and more of jackson's life and what he's doing and obviously for the future of course because there will be more short film films there will be major motion pictures i see in your future (laughs) um more theater you can follow jackson at i'm gonna have to spell this out j g double e d u b I don't even know. How do you say that? G-dub. G-dub. That makes sense. Yeah. Um, and of course, we will link it down below. And make sure if you are in Brisbane or if you are in Perth that you book tickets and go see Charlie because I can only assume it's an absolutely fabulous night of theatre. But before we go, we have a segment on our podcast called Bedtime Stories, which is about stage mishaps, I guess a set mishaps, funny stories from your experience in theatre. Do you have a bedtime story for us? Um, I, I do have one that literally happened the other night. 
Um, Ooh, a fresh one. Yeah, a, f- a few th- a few things happened all in one show. Um, As they yeah. do. <laughs> so we had. Um, I'm just going to mention all the things that went wrong with me. <laughs> um, so to start off with, during my number, um, I'm sitting at this like small table, and our amazing ensemble members um, bring on plates of sausages and pretzels for me to pretend to eat and i'm there stacking them stacking them and i stand up and as i'm standing up i just hear two of the plates just fall onto the ground no biggie we dealt with it i then run around and continue my song and then right at the end as i'm about to hit the final note uh, i breathe in and just choke on spit <laughs> oh no no <laughs> um <laughs> And so, of course, there's um, Octavia and myself hissing ourselves, laughing on stage as we're running off, doing our normal, like, little... At the end of the number, we, we do, like, laugh at each other and we belly bump, but we couldn't do any of the belly bump. We literally were just laughing and then we just ran off laughing. <laughs> and then in Act 2, there's a moment where um, I pull out, like, a full, like train of sausages oh <laughs> um from my pocket and i reach in magic tricks <laughs> little, little magic trick and i reach in and as i'm pulling them out the line snaps so i pull out like <gasps> half of the sausages that i need <laughs> um and then i go back to my next position and i realize that they're still in my pocket and i just turned to um the kid who was playing charlie that night and i tapped him on the shoulder and just went Shh. and I just pulled them out again and just waved them in his face. <laughs> um, the audience would have loved just, that one. Let's just say Props was not happy with me that day. Um, no. No. <laughs> no. Um, you know what? You've got to use it to your advantage. got to use it to your advantage. But yeah, that was, that was an intro. There was a weird energy for that, mat- that specific matinee. That was an amazing bedtime story, and we love... We love show mishaps. It's such it's what makes live theatre so special because shit happens and you just shit gotta happens. roll with it. And then also the audience gets to take away like a little thing that you know because also then you'll go and see the show again sometimes and you're like, wait, that's, that wasn't meant to happen. That's different, and it's just a fun. It's a little exciting thing, but. Thank you so much again for coming and chatting with us today. We've loved every second of it. Anytime. Thank you. Um, well, that is the end of our episode for today. Um, but you guys, make sure that you go and check out Jackson in Charlie and the Chocolate Factory. It is currently playing in Brisbane and it will be moving to Perth very, very shortly. So you have plenty of opportunity. Uh, but until next time, you guys, stay happy, healthy and safe. And we will see you then. Bye. Bye. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work 
or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R E R I S E T H E A T R E dot org because only together we rise. <laughs> 